Hello and welcome to Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. Today we focus on a segment that gets very little attention, but its importance cannot be emphasized enough. Palliative care, one seen as end-of-life care, but it's increasingly being redefined by people involved with it as responsive care so people can optimize their life. In fact, that's exactly what Ramana, in fact, that's exactly what Ramana Hamid had told me a couple of years ago when we discussed how the CIPLA Foundation and Palliative Care Center was helping in mainstreaming palliative care, you know, as more of a supportive care and pain management that is brought in earlier in the course of the illness. Rumana is managing trustee CIPLA Foundation and the Palliative Care Center, and she is our guest today discussing palliative care and the national helpline that they recently launched to support such care. Thank you, Rumana, for joining us. Thank you, Jyoti, for having me on. So earlier this month, you know, the foundation, Supla Foundation, you all have launched this national helpline. So how did this really come about? I believe it's the only national helpline of its kind. And uh, was this a natural extension to the palliative care center that you run in Pune? Can you just give us a backdrop to this? Thank you, Jyoti. I'm just going to step back a bit. And, you know, your understanding of palliative care is absolutely spot on. You know, palliative care is not just about the disease but how the disease is impacting individuals physically, socially, emotionally, and for any serious illness. A group of us got together, 11 leading palliative care organizations across India. And when we looked at how many people can actually access this care, we really wanted to create a helpline which would bolster access and would allow people to come together to offer this care to the patients. So we are unable to reach patients. Patients are unable to reach us. Here's a number. It's backed by 11 organizations. We are saying, call this number. Asathi will take your details. Depending on who you are, where you live, what your serious illness is, what your caregiver wants, we will connect you to a relevant organization in as close to where you live. And honestly, this collaboration has only been possible because these 11 organizations have a shared vision for equal and equitable palliative care. Right. What has the response been? I know you've just launched it uh, earlier this month, but uh, how have the calls been? Are you getting it just from Maharashtra? Are you getting from other centers as well? And what are the queries that are coming to you? Thanks, Ruti. That's a great question. So I think because it's available in seven languages and people have, you know, caught on that while the call comes to the CIPLA Palliative Care Center and we are the hub and it's answered by trained paramedics and nurses, it is then taken back to their location. So, for example, our very first call on the very first day, um, needed a home care service in uh, the western suburbs of Bombay. And the caregiver was really struggling. And this home care service, Romila, um, has been able to give this family home care, which will change the trajectory of the illness and the experience of the illness. We've got calls asking for many different things you know sometimes people just want to know 
I have cancer and where can I get a good wig? Now, maybe that's not within our scope, right? But a wig will make you feel a lot more confident. So in our resource directory, we try to cover something like that as well. So I'm just giving you two ends of the spectrum. This was someone calling in from Kerala. And uh, to be able to say, look, you're a whole person, you matter. What are your queries? Bring them to us. A lot of caregivers are calling in. They are burnt out. They are stressed. They are exhausted. Some of them just need a respite. They also want to just talk to someone about their hopes and fears of their loved ones. Um, that's been uh, something that I've singularly marked in the calls that have come in. It's just patients, it's their family members. So uh, you have said uh, eight languages with this um, available in? Seven. seven. At the moment, okay. seven. Right, right. And you're getting calls from Kerala. Even Kerala is a state that has, I think, uh, made some headway on the palliative care scenario. And that's exactly why, you know, having Kerala and Dr. Raj Gopal, which is Pallium India, as one of the leading partners, allows us to refer back successfully. And there is an there are excellent programs even in Calicut. So actually, getting a call from someone in Kerala. Um, is helpful because it, we have many, many organizations. It's a very enlightened palliative care policy. It's a strong volunteer movement. And uh, Dr. Raj Gopal has really changed the face of community-based care. Absolutely. So I was looking at some of the data available and you know the WHO has said that 12% of those who need this care, palliative care, you know, don't get it. And in India, from your own conversations earlier, you've said it's less than 4%. So just for the audience to explain how, um, you know, the definition of palliative care has changed from what it was and what, in your view, needs to be done to address this uh, coverage that people who need it uh, need to get. Thanks, Jyoti. That's a great question. So when CIPLA Palliative Care and Training Center started um, 25 years ago, around the same time as Pallium India and a little after Shanti Avedana, as you can imagine, there was absolutely no understanding of either the science or the art of palliative care. I would say in 25 years, we have come a long way and we have been able to disturb the ecosystem in the way that we are asking all mainstream doctors to consider multidisciplinary approach when their patients have a serious illness. And Joe, what I'm really happy to tell you that we have so many doctors who join our courses. This year alone, we've had about 500 young oncologists join a weekend course just to talk about serious dialogues, breaking bad news, what is palliative care, how can I link to specialist services, can I be a generalist, and I think those trainings and conversations are slowly going to change the nature of care in the mainstream. On the other end of the spectrum, we've been training ASHA workers in two uh, blocks outside Pune, and we've seen you know, excellent success and referrals. And now we've started to expand that program. So in 25 years, people have joined the conversation 
they've realized that, you know, if only 4% of Indians have access um, to pain management, then it is incumbent on all of us to change it. So we talk to people across India who are involved in caring for other people in a myriad different ways, public and uh, private. So as you know, we opened a pediatric palliative OPD in Wadia Hospital. But what you'll be happy to note is that we also have one today in Nair Hospital and championed by Dr. Shishma Malik. And it's the first time a corporation hospital has opened its doors and said, children feel pain, children feel pain very acutely, we want to do something about it. And for me, that has been, you know, just the most satisfying thing I can tell you on this podcast. Now, obviously, it's Dr. Shishma Malik all the way, but I was in Nair on Monday. And to be in the pediatric ward, to meet uh, parents and children, and these are not children just with cancer, right? It goes beyond a cancer. Makes me hopeful that other doors will open and we will create um, access to options that a patient and also a doctor wants to use. We have doctors coming to us now and that's very different from when even I started my journey seven years ago. That's very heartening to hear that it is becoming more of a mainstream conversation. So what you're saying is um, it, it's moving beyond cancer care or oncology to other chronic uh, ailments as well, whether, you know, palliative care or pain management is being addressed uh, earlier in the treatment uh, cycle? Yes, I'm saying, I am exactly saying that. I'm saying that people want to know the science of this care. And for example, you know, we have a leading oncologist in Pune who said, let's have an OPD on my floor. I will treat the disease. You treat the whole person. Now, I don't know whether this conversation would have been possible uh, without the concerted effort of every single palliative care organization. And while Jyoti, I would love to say it's mainstream conversation, I think you know we just um, want to get uh, this treatment noticed. And why? Why just because it improves your quality of life? And I actually don't believe you should have a good death. I actually believe that you should have a good life right till the end. And your life is what matters. And that is what the pioneer of this movement, Dame Cicely Saunders, said. And so I'm driven by her message and also the success in the UK of the palliative movement that we um, in India will and are hoping to emulate. And yes, slowly, slowly, I think we are making a difference today. Uh, the, uh, the team from Sipla uh, Foundation is in Vishakhapatnam uh, because there is a Tata hospital there and they want to do home care. Um, Chennai just started its first pediatric home care. Um, so when you hear things like that, we've uh, been invited to Lucknow. Um, I, you know, you think, you know, all's right with the world and we're headed in in a direction that will be safer for everyone. That brings me to my next question to you. So 
you did start off with the Wadia Center. Then, uh, as you're saying now, you have you know a corporation hospital in Mumbai, right? So you you've said that more hospitals are getting onto this network now and seeking out. Um, uh, you know, you've also worked with the All India Institute of Medical Sciences. Yes. So yes. in AIMS across India, we've trained their nurses in pain management. So palliative care believes that the heart and soul uh, of your care lies with your nurse. And the more we equip and upscale our nurses, the better uh, you know, the patient experience is. And certainly in something like pain management and pain scales, uh, which nurses are very happy to learn, ad adapt, adopt, and in hospitals across this country. So uh, you know, Goa Medical had a training, uh, you know, for its nurses and, and even private hospitals ask us, you know, like SRCC, the Children's Hospital at Haji Ali. So, so that makes us believe that if you're asking us to come in and train your nurses, you, the, the doctor in whose cohort that nurse will be, will be giving that doctor specialized information on her patient's total pain and then that consultant has very little time with the patient it's the nurse or a social worker or a psychologist is the one that will step in and be that extra layer of support to the patient they this will never replace the treatment offered by the doctor it will just help keep the patient intact to go through the recommended uh, you know, medical course, and then it becomes a true partnership because the doctor is supported as well, and the patient uh, has a better experience living out a serious illness. And you know, in in Nair, there are children with neurological difficulties. In Sukun Nilaya, uh, which Dr. Eric Borges has started, an inpatient unit. There are many adults uh, who are stroke victims. Now, you know, these patients are never going to get better, but how do they have a better quality of life? And that's where palliative care steps in, is saying open the boundaries. Come and look at um, serious neurological issues. It's something Dr. Raj Gopal told me right in the beginning of my journey, is that unless you treat all serious illnesses equally, palliative care will never be a success and you know his words prove so true and that is what we are aiming to do in fact in Bangalore in Nimhans we are hopefully opening an OPD by December and that is totally in the domain of neurological issues and so we are going now to a neurologist and saying what can we give you you know for chronic pain so the difference in palliative care is that acute pain, pain after your surgery, pain in ICU, is well treated, well managed. It's when you leave that acute unit and need long-term chronic, and you have long-term chronic pain, who is it that is there for you? And I'm hoping that you reach one of our partner organizations and, and through people like you, Jyoti, who give us a platform uh, to talk about the role of the helpline, to say that the service is available, the service is free of cost, and the service is there to be 
what you need it to be. That is, I think, will make more difference because if someone says, okay, Ames did it, maybe we should do it too. That's a win-win for everybody. So years ago, Romana, when we spoke of pain management, uh, there were issues with access to medical morphine. How is that situation now? So I'm not as qualified to answer that question because there are people far more in, you know, know the subject in great depth and who are leading petitions to make uh, morphine uh, licit rather than illicit. And also um, to make doctors aware of the price of morphine, the efficacy of morphine, and the availability of morphine. In, in fact, it is what Dr. Gayatri Palat in Telangana has done with great success. She's taken palliative care to every district hospital in Telangana, but along with it, she has taken the morphine policy and worked with the state to get morphine into these district hospitals and then train the, the teams there to be able to successfully use it. And I think that's the model, you know, where she works very closely with the government, the government policy, for opioids and working with she has taken it to every district hospital in Telangana it's quite the ideal actually because she's offering care with a solution for the pain so uh, this this month has also been uh, you know the month that has that has marked palliative care and hospice care and the theme has been about you know equitable uh, access to palliative care so with your national helpline and more uh, hospitals and doctors getting onto the conversation, you think that going ahead, this 4% uh, that gets addressed with palliative care, is, it's, it's going to improve and things are going to get better? Or has COVID really set back a lot of things uh, in the last one and a half years? Thanks, Jyoti. That's a really interesting question. And you know, actually, COVID has made people more aware of how isolated you can get when you have a chronic illness. Because imagine you have cancer and now you're locked in, you can't even access your treatment, let alone any counseling. So we quickly launched uh, with Tata Memorial and Dr. Badwe in lockdown last year, Can Helper, which was a number that people called who work you know, stuck at home because of COVID, were feeling lonely and depressed and worried and frightened. So Can Helper has now come into this national helpline because it's now uh, beyond cancer. But that made us realize, you know, that actually it's COVID that's driving people to take uh, more steps to break their isolation and to create um, care to pick up the phone to someone um, to use telemedicine. And in both cases, palliative care was nimble enough that by, um, you know, by April end last year, CIPLA palliative home care was back on track. But then as, you know, areas became red listed or buildings got sealed, all organizations across the country pivoted to uh, telemedicine and helplines. And now as we come out of COVID and, you know, it's like recovering from a tsunami for all of us. I think people have been 
you know, quite shaken by what we saw, um, are more, you know, comfortable now with the idea of a video call, um, realize that COVID has brought also uh, emotional disturbance to them, to their children. And then if you have a serious illness, all this is layered on top of that, right? So COVID has actually, uh, you know, created a, a community of patients who are even more frustrated and alone in their illness and are reaching out now, you know, one and a half years they've been at home, they're immunocompromised, and they're saying, you know, we really want you to come into our homes, our, uh, you know, our phones, and we want someone at the end of a line. So it's actually a brutal way to, to, to tell you that, unfortunately, um, it's, a, it's a reality. And the 4%, I think that depends on you and me and everyone listening in. Um, really, uh, it is only if we collaborate at every level will we um, achieve a movement on palliative care. And also, you know, Jyoti, talking about it like this, spreading the word uh, among your family, your neighborhoods, your community, to just, you know, you know, tell people that, look, here's Satsat, here's the number. If you're ever in need, please go ahead and use it. Because the more the helpline is accessed, the closer we come to changing this number and to making palliative care accessible. And like you say, the theme for this year was no one left behind. And I think that at the heart of what we all want is equity equity in access and equity to health. And, you know, we are going to be stronger together and together we will change this number. Absolutely. On that note, um, you know, I will draw this conversation to a close, Romana, but we'll keep coming back to it as, you know, as this kind of spreads, the service spreads and more people understand the need for palliative care. So thank you so much for your time. And from the Business Line team and myself, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very, very much, Jyoti.